Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Jeremy Slate. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Hey, Kevin, I really appreciate you having me today, man. Um, and I want to tell your audience as well, like, you know, not only are you a great host, but you're a super courteous dude as well, because like I was the late guy to this interview and you're like, <laughs> no, no, man, it's totally cool. So, uh, you know, not only a great host, but also a super courteous dude and appreciate you having me today, man. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us. So I, I need to ask you, I didn't ask you off camera. So I've seen it. Jeremy Slate and Jeremy Ryan Slate is which one do you normally go by? So in the written word, I go by Jeremy Ryan Slate. Uh, usually I just go by Jeremy Slate. And the only reason is like not because I have this huge ego, but it's literally because somebody has the same name as me. And, and he died in 2007 uh, or 2017. But like still, man, he was in the New York Times. He was in this. He was in that. So like I use two names or uh, three names to try and like outrank him in Google. That's about yeah, all I'm doing here. Trying to try a little differentiation there. So, man, share a little bit with our audience, a little bit about Jeremy. So for me, man, like I, I've in the podcasting and PR space and it's not originally like where I intended to be. I wanted to be a college professor and I, uh, you know, got a master's degree in ancient history and like not a very useful thing. It was a fun experience, but like there's not people like lining up to get those jobs. Um, I studied in Europe for a little bit and I came back in 2011 into what was like, you know, it's funny. I feel I feel weird saying 2011 was a rough economy because um, then it's like, you know, there was last year and there was this year. So at the time, it was perceived as a rough economy. Um, and I was really having trouble finding a job because I was overqualified for a lot of things, um, but underqualified for what I really wanted to do. Like be a professor, you have to be in a PhD program and working towards that. I had applied to only one, and I didn't, uh, which is NYU, and I didn't get in. So like, obviously, like if you thought if I really wanted to do this, I probably would have applied to more schools than that. Yeah. So I actually ended up uh, working two jobs at that point in time. I was painting houses during the day for the most old school house painter you've ever met in your entire life, which meant everything was done with a four inch brush and a woody, a wooden 40 foot ladder and hand scraped. Uh, we wow. didn't do sprayers. We didn't do tape. We didn't do any of that stuff, which has served me really well being a homeowner now. I'll say that. Um, but it was hard work, man. So I did that during the day. And then at night, um, I was the nighttime manager at gym. So I was working like 16 hours a day and, and that was kind of it. And I ran into uh, a priest friend of the family and ended up actually from that teaching at a private school, which I was totally unqualified to do. And I did that for about two years um, until in 2012, um, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke and it made me look at a lot of different things I was doing in my life. And I'm like, all right, so am I really going to do this for 40 years? Like, is, is this really what I'm going to do? And I didn't know what entrepreneurship was, but I saw this network marketing presentation and I thought I was going to be like a billionaire next week. Um, and it didn't really work like that, but it got me started. And I went from there to selling life insurance to selling products on Amazon. Um, but I put my promo code on my listing and lost all my products for a dollar. So I was like out of business the same day I was in business. So that was kind of the end of my business career. And I actually started working for a friend's marketing firm and taught myself how to build websites doing that. Started a podcast as a hobby. It took off 10,000 listens in our first 30 days. And it led to me starting our current business, with this, which is Command Your Brand. And that was, I, I think that the, the time that you started podcasting was almost like the golden age. I mean, I agree. There yeah. was that, that four or five year period where, well, there was like waves. There was, 
There yeah, was like the first sure. wave of people that started. And then I was kind of like in that second wave ish. Right. Right. And then, I mean, not that you, you have to have quality content because just because they listen the first time, you know, you got to, for some, give them some reason to come back on, on that, that return trip to your podcast. But so let's, let's just drill down a little bit. So if you, yeah. know, you get up in the morning, what does a typical day look like? I wake up and I'm like, man, how did my two-year-old end up in our bed again? I'm tired. Um, well, and, and, and that's the honest to goodness truth. Um, but no, when I wake up in the morning, first thing I'm doing is I'm getting up and I'm having breakfast. It's not, I'm not a crazy early riser, Kevin. It's like usually 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, I know some people like to pride themselves in taking pictures of their watches on Instagram. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Uh, so I get up first thing. I have breakfast. I go from there to the gym. And I do um, like something called uh, the max OT. It's meaning um, 80% of your max for a minimum of four, but a maximum of six reps. So it's not a crazy workout, but I'm doing a lot of volume in that period of time. And I managed to get a lot out of my body in about a half an hour. When I, on my way back, then I'll come back, take a cold shower and uh, I'll go to the, from there to start, you know, in getting into my calendar and taking calls and things like that. But I usually don't take calls and whatnot till around 10 AM. Um, Cause I find that when you start taking calls and meetings and stuff earlier, like nothing gets done after that point in time. Absolutely. So, so that's usually like how my day starts for me. Absolutely. I, I mean, so I, no bulletproof coffee, no, uh, you know, get up and you got 30 minutes of I, meditation. No, I'm not a meditation guy. Um, I do bulletproof coffee, but this is, this is kind of sad. Uh, my blender broke and I have been like hesitant to get a new one. I don't know why. Um, I, I, I'm weird. Like I don't like things that are plastic cause I feel like the plastic isn't good for you. So I've been working on trying to find another glass one. Um, but typically I'm a bulletproof coffee guy. I haven't been for couple weeks now and you're also I, I understand you were kind of a competitive power lifter at one time yeah i, I was uh 40 pounds heavier then so i'm, I'm about a buck 65 now um i was about 215 then about eight percent body fat and i would lift really heavy things and i realized around 30 um I'm, I'm 34 now almost 35 i realized around 30 that if i wanted to walk at 40 which is a really good goal to have. It's a great um, goal. I should probably step down what I'm doing because uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's not like I'm going to go play in the NFL or something like that. Right. So I, I kind of step that back a little bit, but fitness is still a huge part of my life. So let's, let's circle back to the kind of the, the podcasting in the era when you stepped into that. And so, sure. I mean, the numbers that you said, you know, you, you had 10,000 listens in the first 30 days or something like that. I mean, that that's pretty high numbers. That's that, that is in the top in my you know, rough guess. That's probably the top one or 2% of podcasts around the world. I mean, yeah, the top 95%. uh, Well, I I, I don't know if that's the right way for it. So, so the bottom 95%, I don't know everything outside of the top 5%. um, The average downloads per episode is about a hundred downloads. So if you're getting over a hundred downloads an episode, you're actually in the top 5%. So I, I I guess you're, you're probably right. That's around the top 1%, somewhere like that. And out of, I mean, right now there's probably over what, 2 million podcast point five in the uh, just crazy numbers so what is the what do you think is the was the differentiator i mean there were there were a number of podcasts and kind of in the business entrepreneurial startup space sure what was what was really the the or what was your hook what was the thing that that you did that differentiated yourself from other podcasts i'm I'm gonna be honest with you kevin like initially there there wasn't that i love i love your background by the way it's super cool um initially there it wasn't that different um, part of it was also timing. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like 
yes, different. I've learned through my career now that differentiation is important, but part of it was timing. You know, um, yeah. when I started my podcast, there were 300,000 podcasts. You know, as we just said, there's 2.5 million now. So the C was much smaller. And the way it was set up was different too. At that time, there was something called iTunes New and Noteworthy, mm -hmm. um, which I yep. think they've kind of brought back a little bit, but not in the same way. But the way it used to work at that time is if you could get enough traffic in your first couple of days, you get featured new and noteworthy for about eight weeks, which means they would stick you on the front of your category and you get like all this free traffic. So part of it was timing. You know what I mean? I initially right. took a lot of it, a lot of action up front. Um, you know, I tried to get it in front of everybody I could knowing that goal of trying to get new and noteworthy was a really big deal. So part of it was timing. It was also hard work. You know, like I sent out hundreds of text messages. I got, uh, I got, got blocked on Facebook for a little bit for sending a link out to too many people. Mm -hmm. Um, I sent thousands of LinkedIn messages by hand because I didn't know there was a thing called automation or you could hire somebody to do it for you. So I spent like hours, copy and paste, change name, copy and paste, change the name. And I got about 65 people to subscribe, rate, and review the show within the first seven days. And that was enough to just kind of get that initial attention and go from there. Now, as the show's developed, you know, we've gotten more solid branding. We've differentiated a lot more from our space. I found my own voice, which is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but initially, I think it was timing and hard work. I don't know that I was that different. I... Uh... Speaking of sending LinkedIn messages, I mean, there there have been times where I've sent them out in mass and, you know, mm -hmm. forgotten to change Bill's name to oh, no. Melissa, you know, and, and say, hey, Bill. Some people get hey, really Mike. offended by that. <laughs> no question. Absolutely. And others, I mean, it's it's like it's almost like it's a turns a cold lead into a warm lead when you send them a note and say, man, I am really sorry. Obviously, I was, you know, didn't have my coffee or whatever when I didn't change the, the <laughs> name on this one. But so they're they're pretty gracious. But. Let's, I'd, I'd love to talk more about just how podcasting and business intersect. And so, you know, we've, we've had, I've done this show for over three years now and talked to hundreds of people in like 25 different countries. And the, mm -hmm. the thing that, that, that I noticed over time was when people would come on the show, if, especially if I did research on them and I'd see them on other podcasts, it, it's almost like we were asking very similar questions over and over and over again. So it was like, you're an inch deep and a mile wide, you know, nobody really dug down on this. And so I actually started another company that was, that did nothing but do branded podcasts for companies. And I said, oh, guys, cool. that's the only way that we can go, you know, an inch wide and a mile deep. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to interview you every week on your own show. You know, we're going oh, to talk cool. about different topics you know, create content where it makes, you know, you, it could be, a, let's transcribe that to be a book, you know, at the yeah. end of six months or whatever. So the, of those two options, I mean, what have you seen that, that really works in this space? There's also a third one too. Um, Cause you talk about corporate branded podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a lot of larger organizations doing this and it's a super cool idea, but doing a podcast internally for your team, mm. which is pretty cool because it kind of lets them know like what's happening in the company, what the company yep. initiatives are, what things you care about, bringing on different team leaders and interviewing. I've heard people do that. That's pretty cool. Right. That's a another way you can do it as well to kind of build your organization. Um, but I'm a big believer in, you know, part of what I did, honestly, like I mentioned, some of it was timing, some of it was hard work. Um, but I had people ask me for what I'm currently doing. You know what I mean? I wasn't going out there. I'm going to start a business and whatever it was. Like I got enough attention. People said, hey, can you do this for me? Mm -hmm. And through different levels of variations, I figured out, well, where I started isn't the right business, but where I am now is. It kind of develops. You know how it is. And 
initially that's how it was for me. Now, I don't think that's how it is for most people. Um, how I think a podcast functions the best way is supporting what you're already doing. Um, yeah, meaning, um, if you're going to create trust with your market, that's great. If you're going to connect with strategic people in your, 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 uh, area of the world, that's important. Um, if you're going to connect with people in different verticals, that's important. Like it's powerful networking, branding, and positioning. And also at the same time, um, you know, you may not get tons of leads, but you're going to get the right ones. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's really interesting, too, is the right people get to know, like, and trust you. I was talking to a gentleman about this today. Is like, I think the misconception people have about podcasting is they think it's like, you know, this type of marketing where you turn on the faucet and leads just pour in. Right. Um, but in actuality, you're going to get some of those. But what this is actually doing is it's making it so when people go out and find you or experience you, you're already an opinion leader in their eyes. And yeah. that's a really, really big deal because they come to the sales cycle different. They approach your company different. They may um, invite you to events because of it. So I think that's really how you should be operating. I think that's the optimal way to be looking at a podcast. Uh, unless, of course, you know, you're, you created a project where you're telling spooky, spooky stories or something like that. And right. that's always fun and interesting. But I I, I think really to have legs with it as a business, it should be part of what you're already doing. I, I mean, as you were mentioning, the thing that, that came to mind too was the fact that like if a potential client is is wanting to know more about you, I mean, they can mm -hmm. watch they can watch some podcast episodes. It's one of those, you know, do I do I like them? Do I you know yeah. do I feel like I know them and trust them based on you know what I've seen online so far? So. Well, you, we imagine they go listen to an episode. They get to they get to you know they get to know Kevin a little bit better. And they're like, you know, I wasn't so sure if he was the guy for me, but now I like, oh, wow, we have the same interests. We have we're, we're in the, the same part of the world. But wow, he really knows what he's doing. I'm going to give him a call. And that's why I think people need to understand where this fits in what you're doing. Right. Because the wrong time to start worrying about your brand is once something bad happens, yeah. because it's a lot harder to fix it. Like if you got like rip off report or if you got a negative review out there, like that's a bad time to start what you're doing. Start it. Yeah. You should have been doing it all along. Now, the, the positive side of it, right? best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago or today, you know, it can eventually get better. So, um, you know, that's how you need to be thinking about it in your, your, your business. So is your primary business right now that you're working on is it command your brand? Yes. So yeah, walk us through that, that business, that business model. Yeah. So it, it actually came out of my podcast, which is called the create your own life show where I interview like world press, class performers, newsmakers, people like that. Some are a little controversial, some are fun. Um, but that was the thing that kind of got me noticed. And um, we started originally a company called Slate Media Productions where we like built, we called it the podcast in a box. Uh, problem is um, I didn't have anybody working for me and I knew nothing about running a business. So I was working way too many hours for like ramen noodles. <laughs> and eventually like our clients were like, hey, this thing is great, but like I wish I could just really focus on going on other podcasts. So the first version of what we do was called Get Featured Media. And um, we did very well the first nine months. Uh, my co-founder and I didn't really see eye to eye. And we went from there to becoming Command Your Brand. So that was back in 2016. And ever since then, we've booked, gosh, more than 5,000 shows for clients all over the world where we really don't just select the right podcast for people to go on and book them, but we also go through a lot of storytelling coaching, uh, media coaching, branding positioning, and things like that. So we're really using podcasts to change the way people are perceived seen and known and heard um so that's that's really what we're we're, we're doing at command your brand so we've mentioned this many times on the show you know nothing's wasted in in your history so it's I experience can, 
I can look at the time you spent at Oxford, you know, and, and thinking those, I'm sure there are times that you're, you're bringing that into how to, how to create a story, how mm -hmm. to, you know, how to, how to coach people, that type of thing. So what's the, what are some of the tips that you would say would be people really need to know when they go on a podcast as a guest? Well, can I just say one thing to what you just said? Cause that's a really yeah, good point absolutely. Um, is you're, you're talking about like, you know, the different things in my life and what I've seen and done and, you know, my areas of interest, those are actually really important things for being a good interviewer mm -hmm. because it allows you to have reality with a lot of different people. And maybe you're not an expert, but you know enough to keep up a conversation. Like you can get a baseball guy on with me and I know enough about OPS and baseball stats and, and, uh, OPS plus and stuff like that to have a conversation. You can throw me on with a history professor. And, you know, I know why uh, Darius the third didn't follow Alexander Great, the great across the river and things like that. So like that area of knowledge is actually not really great for getting a job, but it's really great for keeping up a conversation with just about anybody. So that's for one sure. thing I, I will say that we're using that knowledge when we're looking at being a great guest. One of the really important things is, is tying together what we call story message call to action your personal story, what you want to teach and what you want somebody to walk away with at the end. Um, and I have to tell people to start at the end. What do you want people to do at the end of that call? And I find that what you give away should be a tool. It should be something that helps people apply what you taught in that interview. So for example, a lot of times I talk about getting on podcasts as a guest and how to use that in your branding. So one of the things I give away is a really well, in my opinion, it's a really great white paper. Maybe other, other people don't think so. Um, but what I give away is a white paper called the seven reasons you're not getting featured on your favorite podcast. And it goes over like different things that you need. Um, so then my message and my story lead to that, right? They, they connect to kind of get, get that to be the product we get at the end. And it's a really great tool that people get an experience out of. So then your message, you're really making sure that you show up to teach people. I, I find far too often the people that don't do well are the thing, people that approach interviews with, well, you can get that from my book or you can get that on my website or you can get that when we want my programs or, 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 or like when you show up, really be there to teach, really be there to answer questions. And you'll find that people will walk away with knowledge. But the fear for a lot of people is, well, if I tell them all of it, they're just going to go do it. Well, 97% of people won't. They'll understand that you're the person to do it and they'll want to come find you. So your message ties in together with that what call to action, what you want people to do at the end. And then your story shows your own transformation or how you've helped someone else transform. And I think that's a really vital thing. Often too many people get on and like tell their entire life story right. and it just really doesn't fit. It can be too long. You can lose people. You just want to show people I've transformed. You can too. This is the things you need to know. And this is where you can go to get more. That, that's really, if you want to be a great guest, the things you need to do. At the same time, know a little bit about the shows you're going on. Yeah. Know a little bit about the host. Like, don't show up and, you know, call Kevin by his last name or, you know, call him Joe or, you know, do something else. Like, be there to really, you know, grant somebody, you know, that importance because they're giving you their time. So, so to me, if you really want to be a great guest, that's it. And at the same time, like, do something with the content you create after. Right. Don't just sit there, put your feet up and wait for things to happen to you. Like you spent all this time creating all this awesome content that educates people. Okay. So blast it out there and figure out how you're going to get in front of more people and hosts will love you for that, honestly. Right. And re repurpose it in, you know, a multitude of different ways as well. So, Correct. You know, you especially if, especially one of the things I'll do sometimes is like, you know, sometimes I'll ask for a video file at the end mm -hmm. and, you know, some hosts are cool about that. So you can create content from that. Yeah. It just depends on how you want to do it. Yeah. That, that's a that's great, that's great thoughts. you you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you've booked hundreds of people on, on different podcasts. 
So what's the, you know, the perfect Venn diagram that you're looking at? You know, you've got, say, number of listeners, you've got the space that the podcast is in, and maybe, you know, is, is the host and the guest, are they a good fit together? I mean, where's that perfect, that golden triangle intersection of, of like podcasts you're looking for for guests? Well, the primary thing is like, is this the right audience? Like, none of that other stuff matters if you're not in front of the right people. So the right. primary thing you should be looking at is who do I need to be in front of? If your audience is everyone, good luck. Like I wouldn't even bother. Then, then there's no one. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Like you need to be in front of the right people. That's primary. Um, and then when you have that in case, the number of listeners don't matter that much, right? It doesn't make like if you're in front of the right audiences, having the right conversations that matters. Um, the other thing you want to be looking at is the positioning you're getting from a show you're going on. Mm -hmm. Like how is this going to affect negatively or positively, how I'm seen or perceived by others, because this is all a branding play. This is all a, a positioning play. So you need to be thinking about that. Like what positioning am I trying to achieve? So we had to find shows that really positioned him in that way, but you know, the suit, the suit and tie and, you know, the black and white photos and things like that. Um, so there's just certain shows that weren't going to make sense for him. You know, like if there's other shows where they get more into the nitty gritty of figuring out the percentages and, you know, what it's like getting hard money and stuff like that, like it wasn't really going to fit for him. But if you can find things that are going to position you the right way, that's something to build off of. So I would worry less about the traffic and things like that, especially since like around the first month of this year, which that would be January, um, Apple changed how their ranking algorithm works. Right. It used to be bar based heavily off of uh number of subscribers followed by downloads followed by uh the final thing which has very little th a effect on it being um number of reviews um but it's really changed so much where now every four hours the top 200 in categories are changing so to me i would look at your branding position i would look at who they've interviewed before i'd look at what you're trying to achieve and is this the right audience for me and i think you're fine like those are the things you really need to care about it, it's, I was thinking back of when we started in 2018, I think we, we actually, the rising tide showed up on new and noteworthy for like, oh, oh cool, you know, and I'm thinking I, I tended to see the same podcast on new and noteworthy for like two years. And I'm oh thinking, yeah, that's right. So when new it just went like froze in time or something, you know? So what happened there is when they shut down new and noteworthy, they didn't get rid of it. They just locked in the shows yeah. that were there. So I had a couple of friends that hadn't even like produced in over a year and they'd been there for like three years. So I actually convinced one of my other friends to like start a show back up. So I'm like, dude, you've been getting free traffic for like six months. Like, what are you doing? Um, so that was just a, a lucky circumstance or an unlucky circumstance, however you want to look at it. Um, and yeah, some of those people did very well because they had free advertising every single day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and like you said, I mean, there were shows that hadn't hadn't posted a new you know episode in a year, you know, or, so, or mm -hmm. however long that that period of time was. But so if you, when you have reached out to potential clients that, that want to get booked on podcasts, what's the, I mean, it's, it's probably maybe a little anecdotal. You may have the, the metrics on this, but what's the retention rate of somebody? I mean, how long do they normally stay clients, you know, of you to, to be booked? Are they just there? For, I just want to promote a book. I want to do a launch of product. I mean, what's the, what's kind of the magic so, sauce there? So I'd say it's like a third, a third and a third. Um, there's a third that come to us for a very particular reason. I'm launching a book or a product. Um, I, you know, want to get that out there. They do their launch and they're, they're on their way. That's what they're looking to achieve. There's a third that work with us for like, you know, general awareness campaigns year after year after year. Like we've had a few clients that we've had for the whole time we've been open, you know, honestly. And there's another third that for some reason they don't fit or we don't fit or whatever it is, you know, we, 
do the job we're going to do. We, we do the best job we can. And it's just, you know, not what either, you know, not what they were looking for. So I'd say it's, a, it's like a third, a third, a third. So I, I guess in, in, I guess when you look at it as a whole, it's not, it's not, a, not that bad, but like, that's how I would kind of put it together. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, obviously you've, you've kind of morphed over time, but do you have kind of an ideal avatar client? You have like, this is the perfect fit of our service. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because initially a really good fit for me was anybody that had money and, a, and could, you know, put steam on a mirror to show me they were alive kind of face. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and I found that when you have a targeting like that, number one, you agree to a lot of relationships that aren't a very good idea for you. You know what yep. I mean? Because you're getting, you're either not supporting the right things or, you know, your goals aren't aligned or whatever it may be. Um, so that's one part of it. Um, the other part of it is, you know, um, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Um, you work with people long enough and you eventually figure out who is the right person for you. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you mm-hmm. don't really know. Sometimes you don't know that at the gate. You, you see like, well, this kind oh, of company does well. Yeah, this company, company doesn't do well. The case, yeah. So so for us, it's usually somebody that they're in the founder position of the company. They're not needed as much in the day to day. They have a staff of 10 or more people. Um, their revenue is usually seven figures plus. Um, they're doing something um, that's for the good of mankind. That's really important to us. So like what they're doing is actually improving the planet. Like, you know, big tobacco. Sorry, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so it's that. And also at the same time, like they have a bigger purpose to help others. Like that's really important. Like I, because it's, we want to help people that make a big impact. Um, and it's just a, an important thing of those people have to understand the value in, in public relations. If they don't, we're just not a good fit. So, um, and if you want to even go deeper within that, like we even looked at different verticals that we're the be- we work better in. We work really well in real estate. We work really well in, um, you know, alternative health and wellness is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, we work really well um, with consultants with specialized knowledge, but not with coaches because um, the coaching industry as a whole can sometimes be difficult. So it, it's, it's interesting the more people you work with and the more you refine your own processes, how you kind of find your own people. And are, are there specific outcomes that you're looking for, or do you kind of determine that with the client, like what outcomes they're looking for? Are you, you know, what's it's the- a case by case basis. Cause like I said, sometimes people will have a very clear, like reason they're coming to us. Like I need to, you know um, I want to get on this certain show or I want to speak on a stage or I want to do whatever it is. So that's part of a larger plan. You know what I mean? Which that they're currently working on. Right. Um, Sometimes it's I'm launching a book and I, and I need to be seen, heard and trusted in that way. So it really depends on what they're looking to achieve. And it's if somebody's coming to me and saying, hey, I just want to be popular, like that's that's not really going to going to be something that's going to work for us. So the, the reasons people come to us can be very different in what they're trying to achieve. Um, and it, one of the things that's funny is sometimes people can come to you for a genuine uh, a, a a general awareness campaign. And through that, they could say, well, you know what? I found my voice more mm-hmm. or I found more of what my audience looks like or um, I feel more certain in how I speak. So it, it is really interesting because goals are so different. But I find when a campaign doesn't go well, the reason is um, we signed somebody that didn't have a goal. And that's why I've really put into my team how important it is to sign people with solid goals of what do we want to achieve? When do I want to achieve it? And what do we do? Um, and then one of the things we also do as well is we do like a, a value metric at the end of like, you know, what was the value of the amount of attention you got based on like estimated reach of shows and things like that um, against like advertising rates. 
Right. So at the same time, we can show you like if you were paying for advertising, like what it would cost you. Um, so we can kind of show you a value analysis too. I would, I would imagine that because you've done this for a while, you know, you can also coach people. I mean, I may come to you and want to do this and I may have in mind what, what the goal is. And you may say, actually, you haven't, you know, what about this? Have you thought about, you know, having a, a different metric or a different target in mind, you know, that, that maybe serves you better, actually, that you could even think you could even see or, or wouldn't know about without, you know, some coaching there. So we, we find more that it's not that like people are usually pretty clear about what they want when they come mm -hmm. to us. It may develop through that. Um, one of the biggest things that does change in a coaching facet is we do a lot in our onboarding of really helping people position themselves and how they communicate about things. Right. So we find that people like what they would bill is like their talking points change a lot yep. because what they think needs to be heard and what is actually going to impact, that's what changes. So I, if I had to look at anything, I'd see that's the biggest change when somebody that comes to work with us is the things they're communicating on and how they're communicating them. Um, I think that's a really big difference. So you mentioned earlier, you know, and we talked about nothing being wasted, you know, kind of in the, in history, uh, in our own personal history leading up to this moment. But talk about, I mean, there are always lessons that can be learned. So if, if you were starting this business again, you know, tomorrow, what's, what's one or two really key lessons that you wish you would have known, you know, four years ago or whatever, when you started this, that, that would make a, a real difference today? Start in 2007. Uh, would have been one thing. Another thing would have been connect with the fear factor guy before people know he's Joe Rogan. Um, that would have been Boo another bear. thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I remember watching him on fear factor and all the guy, all of a sudden the guy's like crazy famous. Yeah. Um, so that would be another thing, like connect with the fear factor guy. I would tell myself that, um, you know, the other thing honestly would be like learning how to delegate sooner. Um, one of the, my biggest issues with growth early in my company was not delegating and delegating well. Um, and not having an executive team under me, you know what I mean? Like um, trying to manage a whole bunch of people rather than having people that manage small groups. I, so I would say like learn how to delegate sooner, better, and, you know, bring on qualified executives. I, I, those, I guess, would be my learning points. I mean, that's such a key one, though. I mean, it, it really is. It, it goes back to the e-myth. I mean, it's like, you know, are you working in your business or on it? I mean, that's, most people so are working things. in it all yeah, the time. Sure. They're not working on it. For sure. For sure. Well, man, I, I, uh, I could sit here and ask you questions all day long, but uh, <laughs> I just want to honor your time. And, and uh, is there anything that, that we haven't touched on that you think would be a really good way to wrap us up today? And then, you know, make sure and tell people, tell us where to, the best place to find you online. Um, I think we, we covered everything. The thing I would say is like, before you go on a show or, or even start your own, I would really make sure you're differentiated in what you're delivering. Like if you're going to deliver somebody else's exact same flavor of ice cream, don't start yep. like figure out how you're different, how you're going to deliver different, different and how you're going to position yourself. So have those metrics set up for yourself. Um, so that would be the only thing I would leave them with in terms of like where people can find me. We talked a lot about the value of being on a podcast as a guest and what you can do about it. Um, I put together a resource called the seven reasons uh, you're not appearing on your favorite podcast. And uh, it's going to teach you all the basic PR actions you need to need, know so that you can also achieve getting booked on, you know, some quality podcasts. It may take some time to get on your favorite ones, but like, you know, getting on some quality shows and positioning yourself the right way. So you can go over to uh, commandyourbrand.com slash seven reasons and the word seven or the number seven will work for that. All right. Well, we'll make sure that that link is in the, in the show notes and that people can get to it. Jeremy, I just really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been, been a real pleasure talking to you. And, and I mean, as a fellow podcaster, learning from you in, in this you know, short period of time that we've had. And 
man, just really just doing everything you could today in 30 minutes to play your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Jeremy, hey, thanks again and have a great weekend. Hey, you as well, Kevin. Thank you. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.